Welcome to the Washdown Podcast, episode number 98. And tonight I sit down with Scott Bond and Nick Bender. Um, they are both firefighters. Uh, they've only been in the field a few years each. But uh, we had a really great conversation about uh, what their expectations were and how the job really is and uh, what they're doing to uh, take care of their mental health and even, you know, the perspective, you know, about mental health services um, from the newer generation on the fire department. It was a great conversation and uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. I got a lot out of it and I hope you will too. So here you go, episode number 98 with Scott Bond and Nick Bender. Not not so much of having a plan. Yeah, well, I mean, why do you think I'm in EMS? I'll <laughs> <laughs> just show up and wing it. Here's my question, though. When are you going to start cooking breakfast for everybody else? It's mm. a good question. It is a tough question. Cause definitely cause, I mean, you, here's the problem money. is I'm always going to eat breakfast. Not everyone always wants breakfast. And it's very frustrating when mm-hmm. I well, don't eat breakfast because other people don't want breakfast. Well, I'm not saying you can't eat breakfast. What I'm saying is it would be nice to be offered of, hey, I'm going to make breakfast. Would anybody like some? Is this Instead a, of just making a delicious smelling steak Is for this breakfast. an intervention? Is this why you brought me in here? I'm just saying, you know, maybe some guys are feeling like, you know, you're separating yourselves from them. I mean, a steak and egg sandwich or a steak and egg burrito. In the morning, like, wouldn't be the worst thing. I'm a meathead. I, I'm, that's, that's what it comes down to. I'm a meathead. I wouldn't be mad if you were like, hey, do you want a burrito? I'd be like, yeah. Most of the time. Just shots fired right away. I mean. That's why you put me in the corner here, so I can't leave. So you guys move those a little bit closer to your faces. How's this? Hello. Better for you. How's that? There you go. Scoot into the table. How's that? There you go. Okay, that's, cool. that's good. All right, Can so you hear the difference in your headphones? Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, guys, welcome to the show. Thanks for doing it. Appreciate Absolutely. it. Thanks for having us. I got Thank a you. feeling this is probably about eight rabbit holes that we're going to go down. Oh, it's going to be a lot of rabbit holes. <laughs> yeah. I didn't schedule anything else for the rest of the night because I knew this was going to be It's going to get ridiculous, probably. <laughs> rabbit hole is a good term. There's probably some rabbit holes we're going to have to avoid. Uh, Let's see how deep the rabbit hole goes. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll course correct if we yeah, need to course correct. Be very smart. <laughs> that would be very smart. So with that said, let's go ahead and introduce yourself. Nick, you can start. Uh, Nick Bender. Um, been a firefighter paramedic. I've been a paramedic for about five, six years. Um, coming up on six years, I've been a firefighter for about four. Um, got into it because... Well, I wasn't a very good student in high school, if you can imagine. I uh, went to college, and I luckily had a program that had a paramedic program attached to it. So that's kind of how I got into it. And just, I could never have imagined doing desk work or normal people work, for lack of better words. <laughs> normal people work. Yeah. Uh, so the schedule was always enticing to me. Um, both my grandfathers were in the service as well. So that was kind of always like, oh, like that's probably what you should do. Like that makes perfect sense. Like that sounds like something you'd be okay at. So I've been doing that for 
oh, like I said, about five, six years. Mm-hmm. Um, love it. There's nothing else that I could do. Maybe I mean nothing else I'm qualified for. I could <laughs> I could try and play shortstop for the Chicago Cubs, but I'm not qualified for that. So so this is this is a perfect spot for me. I'm well, very happy. It gives me the freedom I need. I get to do the fun stuff that I want outside of work. Yeah. I don't feel too uh don't feel too bogged down by work controlling everything and that's cool. why I love the freedom. Awesome. Well, you know, there's always rec league softball. Oh, Gotta I know. scratch that itch. Oh, uh, yeah. That, that's an itch that I have a hard time with because I know the rabbit hole that uh, it can go in. Yeah, yeah. Then it's like I'm traveling every weekend for <laughs> my brother-in-law. He's a he's a cop and uh, yeah, he's on like the PD team and he's in out of town every other weekend. I was like, you have a three-year-old. How do you do this? This yeah. makes no sense. That's uh, that's not something that I mean. I will play rec league on like Sunday night or whatever, mm-hmm. but as far as traveling and stuff. Nah, I'm just not into it. I'd rather go camping. Yeah. So, Scott. Hello, Scott Bond. Uh, two years with current department, seven years total. Did five years in the Army as a firefighter. Um, emergency medicine, I guess, five. Working in the, the ER before this. Um, I mean, yeah, Nick pretty much said it all. I, I can't do desk jobs. I've done desk jobs before. I can't do it. it drives me insane. Um. Yeah, there's nothing else I'd rather do than this. Again, like except for maybe play second base for the Royals, but <laughs> I I can't hit a curveball, as I come to find out. Well, so neither could Pedro Serrano, but you know he made it work. Uh, yeah. So can't field a major league hit shortstop, or can't field a major league hit ground yeah. ball, and uh, I can field it if it's right at me. Yeah. It's right at me. You make me move too much. We might, we might get into problems. <laughs> I don't think I'm quite quick enough for that game. Yeah, well, you never know. That's the reason we're talking about yeah. playing softball. <laughs> yeah, softballs. That's that's right about my speed. Yeah. Um. So let me ask you guys a question. Kind of just get things going, and you can answer separately or together, however you want. But so getting into the fire department, the idea that you had of what it would be and what it is, is that the same thing for you? Uh, yes and no yes and no yeah yeah, yeah yes absolutely no. we kind of i think we kind of talked about this the, the other day uh when i was a kid every time i saw an ambulance i thought someone was actively dying in that thing every time <laughs> so it, it's been a real adjustment to be like okay like this is a much slower pace than you realize mm-hmm. you know and you know, we're a busier department but we're not the busiest by any stretch of the imagination we catch a decent amount of fire we're at, but you know, it, you know, that's something that you think you're going to do every day. You show up, but it's not. And so it's kind of the other things that play into it that you kind of figure out about the job. And as we know all too well, it's very much EMS based. Uh, yeah, that's, it is definitely converted over to yeah. that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, for me, it's pretty much what I expected, honestly. Uh, when I first, I guess, made it my personal goal to get on to a fire department i didn't but while going through the hiring process and working towards getting here because as we both know the hiring process normally takes a couple of years i working at the hospital i saw what ambulance crews were bringing in i saw it was the you know drunk homeless people grandma that whose blood pressure is too low and the nursing home doesn't want to deal with her anymore i saw a lot of that i saw you know 
what they were bringing in. And I knew going into it that most of my job was going to be EMS based and most EMS calls are not super exciting. Most calls period are not super exciting. Um, but knowing what I know about the departments around here, which is why I applied for this one. Cause we are one of the few that still get fires. We're still one of the few that run crazy, you know, shootings, nasty car wrecks with extrication. We're the one of the few departments that still do that on a pretty regular basis. It's just, there's a lot more of the other stuff on top of it. And yeah, yeah so pretty much what I expected, but still, even with all of the nonsense aside, best job in the world. There's nothing else I'd rather do. And I, I knew pretty early that I wanted to work for a bigger city at least in paramedic school because it was where I did my uh, clinicals, very suburban county. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, this is cool. Mm -hmm. But then we would go downtown where we were, and I was like, oh, those guys have a lot of fun. And, you know, I didn't necessarily see the full side of it, but I was like, okay, that's what's worth it. It's it's the it's the shootings. It's the good car wrecks. Like, that's – I don't want to say it's an adrenaline thing because I'm not an adrenaline junkie, but it, those are the fun calls. Those are the things that – we sign up to do and yeah. I couldn't imagine not having those on a month to month, week to week basis. So that's Yeah. Well you're getting to use the skills that exactly. you've spent so much time learning exactly. and honing. Exactly. So, um that's one thing that I've heard guys talk about of being frustrated at slower spots mm -hmm. of, you know, I have all this training, I have all these skills and I'm not getting to use them because all I'm running is you know, the 2 a.m. toe pain or the yes. grandma that fell and or whatever. And not saying those calls aren't valid because they are, mm -hmm. but it's it's not what we've trained over and over to do. Yeah. And we don't feel – it's very easy to not feel like you're making a difference Yeah, on that kind of stuff. End of the day, I it those calls, yeah, we kind of complain about them from time to time. But, like, ultimately, you just, just got to be nice to people. And that's that's a good skill to – practice and work what? on on a regular basis you mean be nice and be professional yeah it just uh, just be nice talk just be nice and it's too easy to be nice yeah just that's why you should do it's it it's too easy to be nice that's why you should do you it. have to go you have to i feel like you have to make extra effort to be mean you know yeah that's a, just, what's what's the point what's yeah. the point we're here they called us they need help for something mm -hmm. yeah let's just deal yeah. with it and go home yeah. be nice to them because yeah, be happy know. that they called us to sort their problems out right like that's right yeah. there are far worse problems to have yeah. Well, there was something you said the other day whenever we were talking at the station, and I'm going to paraphrase because I probably won't get the quote right of what you actually said, but I, it'll get close. It'll be the ballpark uh, you made because we were talking about the ambulance and how a lot of the younger people coming on the job can get burned out on it real fast and see it as like a punishment to have to work on the ambulance and not the fire truck and all that stuff. And you said that you feel like you've helped more people on the ambulance than you ever had on the fire truck. Absolutely. Yeah. And most of the yep. calls where I end up helping people off the fire truck, I end up in the back of an ambulance anyways. So yep. that's, that's, I mean, that's where we make our money. That's where the magics happen. That's where you save lives. Pumper medic stuff is some of the, my favorite things to do because you get to do all the cool <laughs> stuff, but then you turn back around and you go home. Don't have to that's, the best, that's the best yep. part. We don't have to clean an ambulance and we don't have to write a report. Yeah. Yeah. Running serious medical calls off the pumper is probably the... What's the pinnacle of EMS? It's the pinnacle of EMS, <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's what you aspire for. Yep. <laughs> yes, I'm on the pumper for 12. Got yep. it. All of the dumb calls. Oh, blood pressure. Have a nice day. 
the serious calls were there for the whole, the, from start to finish. Yeah. That's, yeah, for sure. Running serious medical calls off the pumper. Other than structure fires, of course, probably my favorite kind of call. Well, I think that goes without saying. Yeah. I, yeah. 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 Most of us, that's kind of what we got in to do and, mm-hmm. you know. The, that's so weird to explain to people when you're, when they're like, Oh well, do you, have you had any fires? Like, it's like no, nah, like we've been pretty slow. It's like oh well, that's good. It's like no, that sucks. Yeah, like that sucks. that's brutal. Like, yeah, that sucks. no, we want somebody's shit to burn down. Yeah, it's a weird dichotomy. And of, people like, don't under they can't yeah. grasp it. Like you, you, you want that? <laughs> yeah, like I want I want the fire that nobody's gonna lose their shit and nobody's gonna get hurt. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that's what I want. I always try and I want to be alone it. for a good like five minutes. <laughs> exactly. I was trying to explain it like people like oh you firefighters like fires that's weird that's someone's stuff getting destroyed but if it was your house on fire do you want the guys to show up oh oh my god oh no this is the worst thing ever do you want the guys showing up fuck yeah let's get some work done woo and then they go to work Who yeah. do you, which fire department you were responding to your house if it was on fire exactly i wouldn't be a firefighter if i didn't like fighting fire it's literally in the name yeah yeah It'd be tough to do if you didn't yeah <laughs> yeah i mean there are departments that don't go in. Yeah. So. We're not one of them. Yeah. We're, we're no. not one of those. Which goes back to what I said earlier. That's why I applied here. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. I think the the firefighting part of it is definitely, at least a majority of us, that's yeah. our favorite thing to do. You know. And it is it is a weird thing. Um, but still, even in that, you if you get there and you do a good job. And get the fire out quick. You know, if somebody's called in a reasonable mm-hmm. amount of time and you get there, you can put it out. You can really save a lot of those people's personal belongings that might be irreplaceable. Yeah. You know, the pictures, family heirlooms, that kind of stuff. So as long as you're proficient, yep. I mean, sometimes it doesn't matter. Sometimes it's 2 a.m. and that mm-hmm. thing's been burning for forever and we're basically there just to put it out so the other house don't catch on fire. Yeah. But Yeah. It's fun. It is yeah, fun. It's fun. So it's, it's like what you said earlier. It's everything that you've trained on because, I mean, as we know in the academy, structure fires are a good chunk of what you do. So you feel like that's what you're most trained to do when you actually get to do it on a real house and a real call. It's a cool feeling. Yeah. It is. And it's a really cool feeling whenever everything goes right. Yes. Yeah. Big it's fa- better when everything goes right. <laughs> <laughs> it's much better when everything goes right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's happened I think at least once in my career. <laughs> Where everything went right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's well, the beauty of it. Nothing ever goes one hundred percent right, but we just kind of roll with it. Well, we are problem solvers. Yeah. That's basically what we do. Mm-hmm. Whenever people don't know what to do, that's what they call us. And so Very we have to so. figure it out. Yeah. And so that, that's a lot of a lot of our job mm-hmm. is just okay. Well, this is how you change your smoke detector battery, or you know, this we is did two of those last night. Yeah, mm-hmm. if you have a headache, you take Tylenol. <laughs> and, you know, if you sprained your ankle, it's Motrin. You know, no, one forty over ninety is not a scary high blood pressure. I promise. <laughs> I can guarantee you, it's three a.m. Mine looks just like that right now. <laughs> It's one of my favorite things to say to completely stable patients. Your vital signs look better than mine right now. Because they usually do. <laughs> yeah. Well, why is that, Bond? Is it because you're stressed? 
It's probably because I'm stressed. Also, I definitely play the how much caffeine is too much caffeine game every single morning. Yeah, we should probably have an intervention for you for on that. Ca- caffeine? Yeah. Coffee? Yeah. Is it that bad? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to go, take no comment on that one. <laughs> As I sit here and drink coffee at 6.30 at night. Yeah, yeah. I was the one that said no to yeah. coffee a minute ago. Yeah. I have water for the record, everybody. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, the, the thing with caffeine is it's just like anything else too much of it's not a good thing and you know it can cause you to have trouble sleeping heart palpitations all that it takes a lot longer for caffeine to get out of your system than i think anyone realizes yeah Uh, it's like a good like six to seven hours before those receptors are clear and you're not and you're like oh well i'm still tired it's like well you're tired because you were tired before the caffeine yeah and to be fair, I have set limits for myself with the coffee. It's uh, I really don't have a limit when I'm on the ambulance first because I'm not going to take a nap. Yeah. Uh, when I'm on the pupper first and the ambulance overnight, two cups. And then no more caffeine. Definitely no caffeine after lunch. Yeah. I, I do want to take an after lunch nap and then prepare for the ass kicking that's coming. <laughs> but yeah. when I'm on the ambulance first, I just expect to... It's out, game on. Be out running all on. day. Yeah, it's game on. I'm getting Red Bulls from the hospitals. I'm asking Nick if he wants to hit the quick trip on the way back to get <laughs> something to drink. And I'm well, having three cups of coffee in the station. It's 10 a.m. and I'm asking if anybody wants some more. Well, yeah, it was a couple weeks pot, ago yeah. when we got the new big bags of coffee, and we were. I was like, oh well, you know, I already have my energy drink, but like, I gotta try the new coffee. Like, yeah. Like, so I'm sitting there at the picnic table on the bay. I got an energy drink and a coffee. And I'm just like, wow, I'm double fisting caffeine beverages right now. Like, this is a problem. Yeah, not optimal, especially if you want to sleep anytime in the next 24 hours. No, I mean, <laughs> I could get through that. What's crazy is the guys who make the pot of coffee after dinner. That's that blows my mind. So, and I will tell you, that was a tradition ever since before I came mm-hmm. on the job. Whenever I came on, that was what you did. You're the new guy. You come in in the mornings. You make coffee. Yeah. And you make sure that it stays full all day long. And then after dinner, you make another pot. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I and guess it was that makes just, sense. I can see it. My that stepdad was... drinks coffee all day. Yeah. Well, yeah. I bed. guess I've always seen Read. that like at restaurants. People are like, would you guys like some coffee? It's like, it's 9 p.m. I'm, I'm trying to leave here. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Yeah. I, I guess it's one of those things. It's one of the coping skills or whatever. Because yeah. guys know that. Especially in some spots, they know they're not going to sleep or have a better than average chance of not sleeping. Yeah, but it always seems like truck guys doing it. And, like, they're going to sleep, right? (laughs) (laughs) Easy. (laughs) Ah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We love the truck guys. Just for the job you want, not the one you have, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's all right. You'll get there eventually. You'll get there. You probably won't, but you might. No, probably won't. (laughs) Not unless things change. We'll see. That paramedic raise is very enticing. Well, I mean, I would encourage you to do it. Just it opens up a lot of options. Yeah. So, and I, I mean, the, I want to, and I will. It's yeah, it's just a matter of when. Probably this year. I'm hoping. Um, yeah. But you know, I don't have ten grand just laying around to pay for it, so it's going to have to be through the department. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, wa- I want to do it. I like. EMS, like like we talked about. I like EMS. I want to know more, do more. 
and the pay raise is nice. It's just school is so daunting. I hate school so much. I hate. I I cannot learn in a classroom environment. It's so hard for me. Yeah, but paramedic school is a lot different than school school. Yeah, but it's paramedic school on top of still working full time. I had a very skewed view of what paramedic school was like because I was senior in college and my job was just to go to school, go to like school. you know. And yeah. So that was I definitely had a different view on how it was, but I, I remember I kept telling myself I was like, "Someone dumber than you has figured this out. You, <laughs> someone dumber than you has figured this out. You can get through this." It's a good way to look at it. Yeah, and that's gotten me through a lot of things yeah. that were difficult to me. I was like. Okay. You know, whatever that internal monologue is. That's, Surely you're not the dumbest person to ever go through this. Surely. My internal monologue is normally, this is not going to last forever. Yeah, that's a good one. That's in true. In a couple hours, I'm going to be back in bed. No matter how much it sucks, I'm going to be back in bed in a few hours. Yeah. Uh, remind me after we get done, I got a couple people that you can talk to about the whole going through the paramedic program and still working. So they might be able to give you some guidance on that. Deal. I like it. So... Let's talk about screen time and depression. Oh, well, yeah. What do you, what? Well, so we, we saw that Andrew Huber, Huberman bit a while back, and it was like, if you see sc- screen time between like 11 p.m. and 4 a.m., you're at increased risk of depression. Yep. And I'm just sitting there looking at my laptop, writing a report at 2.30 <laughs> in the morning. I was like, oh, maybe this is why you've been dealing with some stuff at the moment. Like, that makes a lot of sense. You should... You should work on this on your days off, too. Yeah. Absolutely should. Yeah. It's just interesting because, like, we're obviously taking a big step to, you know, firefighters, EMS with their mental health. Mm-hmm. But nowhere in those pamphlets and those talks is just like, you're going to be sleep deprived. And that has a bigger effect on everything. <laughs> I'd say that's a bigger trigger for me than anything is being sleep deprived. Yeah. When yeah. I'm when I'm extremely tired, stuff that normally I don't care about pisses me off to no end. Yeah. And that's when I know it's time to go home. Mhm. It's just yeah. Yeah. Well, it, and unfortunately, that's like the number one contributing factor. I mean, other than seeing all the traumatic stuff that we see is you see all of that stuff and you're sleep deprived. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then now we find out that the laptops and computers mm-hmm. in our vehicles that we're, you know, using to run calls is not helping the situation either. Right? Yeah. And, you know, maybe I'm kind of naive in this thought, but we don't see traumatic stuff every single day. No. For the most part, you know, like, but yet we're seeing it on a level of just about. I don't. I don't know. I'm sure there's a statistic on it, but most people are dealing with something that is probably a direct cause from being up all night for two, three days in a row, and then you get a day off, and then you're right back at it for one or two days in a row because we're all working overtime. We're all, you know, trying to make more money, which is part of the trade-off, I guess. But you know, you don't deal with something traumatic every single shift. You usually deal with crappy sleep every shift. Yeah. So I would. I, would have to imagine that that is playing a bigger role in yeah, things well, than anything else. So what happens is, so when you see that traumatic thing or whatever, you know, and you're able to get good sleep and you're able to deal with it and process it. So getting good sleep is kind of like, um, it does something with your brain where if you think about those negative thoughts and everything is like a poison. Mm-hmm. So it's able to get those toxins and everything out of your yeah. brain, right? Get, get and get that good sleep. So you 
take that, the traumatic call that you haven't dealt with, mm-hmm. and then you throw crappy sleep on top yeah. of it. So then it just is moving it. It's not moving it to the point or part of your brain where that it needs to be. It. Yeah. yeah. It's leaving it up in the front. Mm-hmm. And that's where you start to develop that depression, that PTS, mm-hmm. that can develop into PTSD, you know. And, yeah, I mean, the being sleep deprived, it it's going to happen, especially when you work a 24-hour shift, mm-hmm. you know. And there are departments, like there's one close to us that a friend of mine works at, and they work 48s. Mm-hmm. Because they do that weird Berkeley schedule thing. Yeah, 48. Yeah. 72. So, or yeah. yeah, it's like 24 on, 24 off, 24 on, 24 off, 48 on, and then like five off or something. Yeah. I've never worked that, but I don't think I'd like it. Um, I need... It's usually... Because first days are usually pretty... I don't want to say rough, but like that's usually the day where you're coming back to normal, coming back to your baseline, sleeping. Yeah, and then that second day is like, oh, okay, like what do we got to do? Like what can I get done right. today? And you can yeah. get those things done, and you could easily you have a little more oomph yeah. going forward. But yeah. um, you were kind of—I can't remember exactly what you were wording, but I've had days recently where we we're talking about sleep, where it's like, okay, like I didn't sleep last night. I worked an overtime day today before that, so I'm pretty tired at this point mm-hmm. and kind of getting a little irritable that next day and i'm like wait you just need to take your medicine you need to go to bed like get some sleep and usually usually i'll wake up kind of in the middle of the night and be like oh okay like you're good yeah. like go back to sleep but yeah. like that's what it was and yeah i think i think we have a lot of new people coming in and we talk about their mental health but we don't talk to them about like hey like you have to find a way to make up for this somehow even if it's two, three hours in the morning when you get off. Yeah. Versus, well, I'm going to go to. Yeah. I mean, we had a pretty easy night last night. I, last night was awesome. Yeah. I still went home and took a little two hour nap. I was Same. Like, yeah. Yeah. That the shift before that, I was out all day, sleeping all day. Yeah. I, th- I think it boils down to what you have to find something that works for you. So, like the coming home after shift and going right to bed, I can't do that. Really? Yeah. It it messes me up for the whole day. Like I wake up, I'm even like I'm still tired, and then mm-hmm. I feel like I didn't do anything or get anything accomplished. Because yeah. like my typical routine, whenever I come home, is I come home, I get changed, you know, say hi to the wife and the dogs, then I'll get a workout in and get a shower, and then do whatever I need to do for the day, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm I'm starting my day like after the workout, all that stuff by nine o'clock in the morning typically mm-hmm. and so that way by noon i'm done with everything that i need to do yeah. and then i might take like an afternoon nap or something mm-hmm. but yeah the going back to bed thing right whenever i get home it never works out well for me well i think everyone kind of finds their own little groove and yeah. whatnot and i think i just i started that way about four years ago and i was like hey this works pretty well for me like yeah things usually go better when I do that. And like, yeah. I'll get home some days and I'll like write down some things that I need to do. And sometimes it's as simple as like, do the dishes. Like, <laughs> like, like it could be something that simple. Like, <laughs> like things that like, you mean, you know, just for the sake of like, okay, I did something. And like, obviously I try and do more than that, but like yeah. just simple things. It's just like cross. I was like, okay, like this wasn't a total waste of a day, but man, if we would have, if we didn't have to work that next day after, what was that last Tuesday? I probably would have oh, slept man. till two, three o'clock. Yeah, for sure. We that had a was, long one. That was probably one of the roughest nights in a while. In a while, yeah. 
and then and then we turned around and you worked guys our normal it. shift. Oh, yeah, we it was overtime shift, and it was just somehow ended up working together. That was weird on oh, a was that? on a on a completely different ambulance than we normally work on. But we yeah. were up all night. Just a couple overtime slots. Yep. Just. <laughs> Just yep. doing our thing. Yep. I showed up and I was like, "Oh, you're here today." And he was like, "Yeah, we're actually partners today." And I'm like, "Oh, okay, that Great. works." I took overtime to get away from you. <laughs> no, no, no. We work well. No. We yeah. figure it out. I, I, we have a good time. I think we have a good ambulance crew dynamic. It's a, it's a partnership and suffering. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> during the, during the day, it's you know, it's a lot of banter and it's good times with patients and. Flirting with grandma, like you said. Nope. That's ninety percent of EMS flirting with grandma. <laughs> can't flirt with grandma. You can't do this job. Exactly. That uh, I think you need to make that a shirt. Yeah, I, that's what I've been telling all the new guys that we've been having. It's like flirting with grandma. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, huh? just talk to people. Yeah. Just, just start talking, mm-hmm. and then if you run out of things to say, that's fine. But like, let's just see how you talk to strangers. Yeah. So, since you brought that up, I'd like to get you guys' viewpoints on training the new guys the new people so i mean how much time do you have (laughs) well i got a while because it's only uh it's only 636 so we got plenty of time plenty of time um that was actually talking with uh chris about this earlier um and you know whenever we had those you probably weren't there no you were off because we didn't have any FTOs that day. Oh, was it that day that took a vacation day? Yeah. It was like the first batch of new kids, very first day. Yeah. Yeah. And I took a vacation day that day. Yeah. And I walked out into the kitchen and I'm like, hey, who wants to be an FTO? <laughs> <laughs> and I just got the look. And everyone said no. Yeah. Because it's very difficult and not worth the money. Yeah. But it's also, if you don't train them, then who will? Exactly. And that's kind of the way I look at it. I don't do it for the money because i mean to fto i think i get paid like a dollar 30 something an hour on top of my normal pay to get to be an fto it gets you in shack it gets me in shack and i mean if if it's if it's going like it is now where i have a student every day and then even days i work overtime i have a student it ends up to be you know a couple hundred dollars a paycheck it's worth it for sure but um I don't do it for the money. I do it uh, because I like having competent employees that work with me. I like being on calls. I mean, we've all seen it. You've been on scenes where there's someone there that doesn't know what the hell they're doing, and it makes the call more difficult. Mm-hmm. Even if it's a simple medical call, and you're just you just got to carry them out on the tarp. That person doesn't know how to carry them out on the tarp. You're gonna have a rough time doing it, and that. Yeah. 3 a.m. routine call is now a pain in the ass because someone there didn't know what they were doing. And, I mean, we put a lot of pressure on new guys. Uh, I mean, there it's very possible to end up in the front seat of an ambulance by yourself on the way to a hospital that you've never been to before with a dying patient in the back, and it's up to you to get there. And you're the only one. There is no help. There's there's not a paramedic in the passenger seat helping you navigate. There's not, you know, a captain in the passenger seat telling you what to do. It's all completely on you. Everyone mm-hmm. else is in the back with a patient. It's not unheard of. It happened to me. 
two weeks out of the academy, my the first time I drove hot with, from the hospital was from way up north to downtown. And, I mean, it was a 15, 20-minute transport running lights and sirens. And the kid, I mean, I had a nine-year-old in the back of my ambulance having a stroke, which now more calm and collected, brand new, fresh out of the academy. It was terrifying. I had a dying kid in my ambulance. Yep. And it was completely up to me to go 15 minutes to the hospital with no help. My FTO was in the back with the paramedic working on the patient. We got there way before the pumper did, and we scooped and went. So we had no help. And that's, I mean, I kind of think of that when I'm training these new kids. Like, a lot of them come out you know, full of piss and vinegar, wanting to fight, you know, the biggest fire ever by themselves. And they, you know, they, they're ready to do the job and they want to do it, but they kind of got to slow down and remember that they're new. I'm still new. I, I don't know anything still, but they come out with this sense of arrogance and you kind of got to humble them a little bit or else the job will. Um, a good chunk of them come out already humble, knowing that they don't know shit. And are willing to learn. I really like those. Um, <laughs> I think uh, as being able to train people or training people, it's always better to have those. For sure. Yeah. It's uh, I can I can work with dumb just as long as you have a good attitude. You want to learn stuff. It's yeah. hard being new in general because like people are like, oh, we'll ask questions. It's like, well, I don't really know what questions to ask. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know you, what I don't know. Uh, yeah, exactly. like you yeah. know, and that that's very hard. To, so that's why. It's tough to get too hard on a lot of these new guys because, like, they, they don't know anything. They haven't worked in an ambulance. They haven't worked on a fire truck. So it's kind of just day one, like, slowing them down and just kind of going through the basic stuff. This like, is where you put the key. You turn the key and the ambulance <laughs> go vroom. Well, like, and it, you like, have to break it down that much. Well, and it <laughs> it's goes overwhelming. Back to that. I remember my first day. It wasn't that long ago. It's completely overwhelming to walk into a fire station with a group of guys that are already established and they know each other and they're buddies. And you're the new guy, and you don't yeah. know. And you not only do you not know anybody in the station, but you don't know a damn thing about your job, and that's terrifying. And it's it's. I'm a big fan of baptism by fire. Like I wish everyone's first call off of a fire truck was a working structure fire, and I wish everybody's first call on the ambulance was a shooting. But it's not like that. You, you kind of got to ease into it with a lot of people. And that's. I mean, that's why you know on their first day I don't let them drive because they're going to be too amped. They're going to be you know, blowing red lights at 70 miles an hour, T-boning somebody and killing them. That's why I don't let them drive their first day. I show them how to drive before I let them drive. Um, we show them how You're to do... You're not supposed to wreck ambulances? No. Okay. Sorry. Not. Moving on. That's, it's, uh, yeah. Um, we'll just on. move right past that. Move right past that. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I, I, being the brand new kid was not that long ago for me, and I remember what it was like. So I try and keep that in mind when training them that they're going to be super excited. They're going to be amped. Like the new kid that we had yesterday, you should have seen the shit-eating grin he had on his face when we were about to go to a non-emergency sick call at a nursing home that we run four or five times a day. Like they're still excited and they're still enthusiastic about the job. And I try and play off of that but not let it become an issue, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like. Yeah, like, you you have to temper it and bring them down a little right. bit, but you don't want to tamp that it's, enthusiasm. It's, it's the you know? fine line between not killing their enthusiasm and letting them know that this is probably not exactly what they thought it was going to be. Right. And keeping them 
keeping them in a position where they can still be enthusiastic and excited, but not in a position where that enthusiasm or excitement is going to interfere with the process of running the call. Them driving, if they're, you know, working on the patient, you know, I, I, I tell people, you know, we've had those three phases for, for the training. you got the, the observation phase, the instruction phase, and the evaluation phase. So in the instruction phase, I tell them, first couple of calls, you're going to stand there and you're going to watch me do everything. You're going to see how it's done. You're going to see how I talk to the patients, see how I drive, all that fun stuff. Then once you enter the instruction phase, kind of give you a little bit more leeway. You're doing the thing. I'm just kind of telling you what to do as you do it. And then in the observation phase, I'm not telling you a damn thing. I'm standing there, and I, if I open my mouth, it's to prevent you from killing the patient. And that's kind of how I ease into it. Yeah. I, Which, think, it, I think it's worked so far. I well, mean, I've only had a few batch of students, but I think most of them are pretty solid. Yeah, it's the crawl, walk, run. Exactly, yeah, and, exactly. You know, I think we would all benefit from that in more areas of training within the fire service. Yeah, for sure, for so, sure. I mean, I know, you know, academies and stuff are supposed to mm-hmm. kind of be your crawl phase, but then depending on, you know, how your OJT cycle runs yeah. or whatever, well, it's it int- might be run right after you crawl. Well, it's interesting because we talk about <laughs> crawl, walk, run, but, like, it's also, like, yeah. trying to teach these people to slow down. Yeah. It's very difficult. And, like, like the last guy we had was just, like, if you're ever confused, just just slow down. Like, going faster usually makes things worse. Yeah. And that could be driving. That could be trying to find a piece of equipment that you know you looked at in the morning, but now it's 2 in the morning. Yeah. And now you're not really sure, and so you're thinking and you're fumbling and... Well, it's being able to um, it's manage the, that adrenaline. Yeah, it's the slowest, smooth, smoothest, fast. I love that phrase. Like, yep, I had a uh, smooth, smoothest, fast. The uh, words to live by, right there. First pediatric <laughs> coat I had, I was ball a mess. It was the, it was our our captain came down the stairs holding it like a football and was like, "Here you go," and I was like, "Oh crap." And this was probably like three and a half years ago. And like, I'm trying to get the innovation stuff ready and I'm just fumbling through it. And luckily we had, our driver was a experienced paramedic. He's, he's been around. He goes, slow down. And like, I still hear that all the time. Like when I do start to feel myself get picked up and it's like, slow down, like going faster usually doesn't, obviously you need sense of urgency, but most of the time there's a difference going faster doesn't help. Yeah. Rushing doesn't help. Yeah. It's just like panicking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anybody, you know, if you show up on an emergency scene and there's someone there that's panicking, they are now useless. Yep. They need to go away. Yep. They're making things worse. And if that's our job to not be the ones panicking. Yeah. Well, you know, you can kind of equate that or, you know, do a little comparison. <laughs> you guys remember Le'Veon Bell, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. The running back, his mm-hmm. style. Where he would just kind of wait behind the line and then mm-hmm. go. Yep. Wait for the and hole to open. Exactly. Yeah. And sometimes that's what you got to do is you got to be patient and let stuff develop. And, you know, rushing into stuff, like you said, it's mm-hmm. usually not going to have a great outcome. Yep. So. Yeah. Yep. And one thing that I've learned, it's that medical stuff does not happen immediately. None of it does. It's, it's all of it is a process. And the best way to happen, make it happen the fastest possible is to just stay calm and just focus on what you're doing. You know, if we run a code or a shooting or, or something, you know, serious, pick a job, 
you're on airway, you're on compressions, you're setting stuff up for the medic, you're grabbing stuff out of the bag, and just focus on that. You're not working a code, you're just managing someone's airway. It's It, it, it kind of, to me, in my mind, helps break things down and keep things a little bit more simple, especially on chaotic scenes. I mean, well, we've, yeah. all, we've all seen it. Family members are yelling and screaming and... Yeah. And well, it, and if you give everybody a job, everybody a task, right. it's just that one task, mm-hmm. have them do that. Yep. And then you don't have to worry about yeah. them. And, you know, and everybody does have a job on a scene like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the paramedic's job to do paramedic shit. And it's the EMT's mm-hmm. job to do EMT shit. And it's the firefighter's job to fit in where they can get in. And it's the captain's job to make sure that the family doesn't interfere with the guys doing the work. Yep. And a lot of the times on scenes, all of that is assumed without talking. Exactly. Someone goes to the bag and starts grabbing stuff. Someone goes to the head and starts managing airway. Somebody start gets on the chest and starts doing compressions. The paramedic, you know, sets up the IO gun, whatever they need to do. And going back to the training thing that we were talking about, it's trans translating what you can do once you've worked with that crew enough. Like me and Nick, like I said, during the day, we're talking to the patients. We're having a good time. In the middle of the night, we don't say a damn thing to each other. We we can run an entire call and not say a word to each other. Mm-hmm. Because we worked with each other enough. I know what he wants. I know how he likes things done. I know what he's going to do probably before he even thinks about it. And it, it helps to be preemptive. And translating the what needs to be done from what you're doing is 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 i guess the challenge getting them to think two three four steps ahead mm-hmm. is is challenging but important you know especially as the emt on the ambulance it's your you know i when i'm you know we get toned out to something for a chest pain before we even leave that the hospital i'm thinking where is this call where's my closest STEMI center how am I getting to the call? How am I getting to the stimulus center? Let's say we get there in its worst case scenario and they're having a full blown heart attack. And I need to, we need to go. I already know what I'm going to do before I even get there for worst case scenario. And then if, you know, we get there and it's just some, just a little bit of chest pain, you know, a little bit of difficulty breathing, not, not nothing crazy. Their stats are still good. Their vital signs are still good. And then they want to go to a different hospital and we change it. But thinking two or three, four steps ahead is where I like to get people before I, you know, release them to the wild. Proper preparation prevents piss poor performance. I like it. Yeah. 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 It's crazy how that works out, you know? Uh, Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Well, go ahead, Nick. I, I, I thought I had a thought, but. I he does that a lot. Went right out my head. And just he thinks of stuff and then he doesn't. Thinks yep. of stuff. Yeah. What was the other? Didn't we talk about some other stuff that we were going to talk about? I feel I'm like sure we have. We did. We've been planning this for like a month and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Well, we were big talking about the the light exposure stuff and yeah, obviously like the sleep related stuff. So I think that was kind of kind of the big the big ones that we were. That kind of got you to be like, oh, like, we could have a conversation about this. And, yeah. You know, I'm not an expert on it, but, like, it makes perfect sense. And, yeah. Well, and, and I think we we had talked about it, of, you know, in doing research for that, I'd watched a couple of other other of his videos on, because he's got a whole line oh, of yeah. stuff he's about awesome. how light affects you and, you know, the healing properties and this and that and the other thing. But I read a study about, like, light pollution and how, yeah. you know... 
I, and I wish I could remember the, the numbers, um, but it's like 60 or 70% of Europeans cities that slight mm-hmm. pollution and then like 50 or 60% of Americans, the same thing, yep. light pollution and kind of the, what they were talking about was how it's upsetting the circadian rhythm mm-hmm. and which is in turn, as we talked about earlier, leading to mental problems yep. or exacerbating mental problems. Well, the light pollution tends to happen more at night related stuff and like that. Well, yeah, but they were talking about even like even going to bed with the TV on. Oh, that's my biggest pet peeve. Yeah. <laughs> I, I sleep in a closet, basically, at the station, so it could be nice <laughs> and dark not, for Basically, me. it is a it closet. It is a closet. It's a maintenance really closet at that. It is a maintenance that. closet. Like, oh, the one in the the back upstairs? Yeah, so there's the two. And yeah. This one is an actual room, and this one's like a boiler room, but it has yeah. a bed in there. I was like, I'm going to take the boiler room. <laughs> I saw that. I was working overtime uh-huh. as a firefighter, and I was upstairs looking for a room mm-hmm. and just happened to walk past, and I looked at that, and I was like, yeah, I'm not sleeping in there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's some things about it that I don't like, but it gets dark, and I like that. Because, I mean, when I'm at home, we basically – not basically – we sleep in our basement. Like it just kind of worked that way. When we moved in, my father-in-law had the master bedroom. We weren't going to live in the bedroom across from my father-in-law for obvious reasons. And I mean, so we moved in the basement and he moved out and we were like, I guess we should move our stuff upstairs and came home after a long night at work one day. I was like, it's pitch black down here. I'm I'm not moving anything. <laughs> and blackout so, curtains, blackout curtains are life. Blackout curtains, so like I mean, I'm used to when I go to bed, it is pitch yeah. black. And, but like, I mean, they say like even a little bit of light in like your bedroom can completely throw off your circadian rhythm sleeping and like melatonin release and all that. So it's like it's probably yeah. my problem, Uh huh. which in turn affects your brain chemistry, mm-hmm. which in turn affects how you process things. Yep. Yeah. Sleep is our superpower. It It's pretty great. Mm-hmm. I wish I appreciated it more as a kid. <laughs> it was one of those things where, like, I read, I like saw like one video on like the importance of sleep. I was like, okay, you want me to commit to sleeping? Yeah. Done, right, right, done. Not, not a hard sell on that. No, huh? not at all. Mm. Not at all. Sleep more, and all of my problems will be solved. Say less. It's not that it <laughs> solves your problems; it just makes it easier to solve said problems. Something yeah, like that. It's, yeah, it's sure. A, yeah, it's an obstacle that you don't have to overcome. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, dude, I mean, whenever you start talking about, you know, everybody's sleep cycle being fucked up and then, you know, okay, well, I've got all these problems and now I need to be in therapy. Well, okay, sleep has to be, you know, I got to get my sleep right Mm -hmm. or all of this therapy and all this stuff is, I mean, it may be semi-effective, but not super effective. Well, then, okay, well, now I need sleeping pills. Mm -hmm. Those Those aren't much better. No. Because it's not fixing the problem. It's not. Yeah. I wish I would have marked it down. Because one of the books I recently read, they were talking, he, he's a psychiatrist and he was like, it was basically came down to, he was like, the first things I do to people is say, are you sleeping? Like, yeah. like let's, let's knock that out and then we're going to work on other things. And like, there was a stat to go with it that like a large majority of suicides happen from like 12 12 a.m. to 4 a.m. because you should be sleeping like that would yeah. solve a lot of you know obviously it wouldn't solve if there's something tragic going on but like yeah it's like 
let's start there. Like, can yeah. we can we nail that down? And it's easier. It's step than, one. It's, it's easier step said one than, than fixing done. things. It's yeah. just sleep more. Because I mean, we've all lied in bed thinking about whatever's bo- bothering us. It's but terrible. usually, it's it was the like most awful thing ever. You're usually able to sort it out in the morning better than you are. Yeah. At two in the morning after yeah. a cup of coffee. <laughs> And a Red Bull and, <laughs> and a monster. A Red Bull and a monster. <laughs> what, what did we say on a call? We ran, uh, we ran like an assault or something at like four in the morning a couple weeks ago, and I was just like, we looked at the PD who showed up. It was like, don't these people just know if they went to bed, these problems wouldn't happen? Yeah. Like, so many, so many problems. <laughs> where if you were just in bed right now, this wouldn't be happening. Nothing good happens after eleven p.m. Eleven. I would have said two, but eleven's pretty good too. I like it. So the the study that I read was talking about, you know, obviously light pollution and all that stuff, but the way that we have evolved as a species or whatever, you know, we would go to bed whenever it got dark, which is what, eight, nine, ten o'clock at the latest? right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, getting close to that. But, you know, you would have that sleep, mm-hmm. so you were able to get into that REM sleep and all yep. that stuff. And then when the sun came up, the light woke you up, you got up and you went about your day. Mm-hmm. Well, now with the artificial light, all that stuff, we're staying awake longer, past where we should be, and we're actually, we got blackout curtains and all that mm-hmm. stuff, so we're staying asleep longer into the day, usually. So, and that's jacking that circadian rhythm. Yep. And then so you get out and you only have... X amount of hours of sunlight, whereas if you would have got up when the sun came up, you would have had mm-hmm. so much more. And Huberman talks about like uh, early morning sunlight, like mm-hmm. being critical to set yourself up. So when it's time to go to bed, you're like, oh, okay, like you saw the sun at eight thirty in the morning. Like, yeah, come nine o'clock at night, your brain's like, hmm, let's, I should probably go to bed so I can see that sun in the morning. And yeah, dude, I mean, and I'll tell you for myself personally. I always feel better whenever I go to sleep earlier and wake up earlier. Definitely. You know? For sure. If I'm in bed between 9 and 10 or, you know, 10.30, Mm -hmm. and then I wake up at 5, I'm good to go all day long. Yep. It's those nights where I stay up until midnight, 1 o'clock, whatever, and then don't get up until 8 or 9. Yeah. And then it's like I just feel off for the rest of the day. Yeah. I, I will say I try and see the sun in the morning almost every single day. Even like days like we're talking about getting done with shift and going home. Like the first thing I'll do is I'll get up. I'll just walk around my neighborhood. One little quick 10-minute lap. And I was like, okay, like you're ready to start your day. Like, yeah, you just slept till 1130 noon. But like you're kind of getting the ball rolling in the right direction to where you're going to at least be able to be productive and feel, yeah. frankly, feel better. Yeah. There's, there's, it's interesting how, how much the sun plays a role in your mental health. Oh yeah. Well, vitamin D and all kinds of stuff that you get from the sunlight that you don't get from anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And it's not the same as taking vitamin D pills. Like, I mean, yeah, they're, they're worthwhile and there's reasons to do it. But like seeing the sun is pretty pretty critical. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. It's one of my favorite things to do. Yeah. Just sit in the sun and do nothing. Yeah. Why do you think people in Seattle are so fucking depressed? Yeah. Because they never see the sun. By a bunch of reasons. I'm sure that's that's one on the list of things. 
So how have you guys now, you've done what, what'd you say, five years, six, six years? I think, I, I think I'm coming up on six years six as a medic. Years. And then you did time. Seven in. total, but really two doing it yeah. daily. I would, I would say. it hard every day where it's, you yeah. know, it's my career. It's, so, it's what pays the bills. Probably. I would say I've been a medic a little over five, but like actually doing it probably three and a half to four because okay. the first few years I just ran transfers and no yeah. offense to that, but that's, that's not what I wanted to it's do. Yeah. It wasn't the same by any stretch. So what steps have you guys taken or how do you treat your mental health? Uh, this is one that for me, like as of recently, like pretty never really had too much problems with it, but like probably the last couple of months. And I think I kind of got away from some of the things that were was helping it. And I was like, kind of low for for lack of better words you know and it's like okay like sleep like you know like if you get your ass kicked all night you gotta you gotta get that sleep in you gotta find a way to recover see the sun go for walks outside of just going to the gym because you know you know that that's exercise yes but it's inside you're not really dealing with it i I've been reading a lot. That's been helping instead of spending all my free time playing video games, which I'm very good at spending my time doing that. <laughs> it's very easy to do. Uh, we had quite the day at the station a couple couple days ago. Yeah, um, That helps because it kind of just allows me to think about things other than just amping up my anxiety more than it needs to go. Uh, and those things have definitely helped for me. And I think I think those are things that, a lot of new people could kind of benefit to learn before they become a problem. Uh, Cause like e- there'd be even days where like, Oh, you know, like I slept four hours straight at the station. Like I'm good to go. Like oh, just pound that coffee or get, take my yep. pre-workout, head straight to the gym. And then like noon, I'm like, I'm sad. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like why am I sad right now? You know, cause it's two, it's a Tuesday and no one else is around to hang out with. Yeah. So, and that's that's another one is spend time with people. Uh, time with people outside of the job, outside of the job, at the job. Outside of the job's a big one, but like, it's easy to if you're having a kind of shitty day going into work to, oh, well, I got my own room. Like I could, I could just go chill by myself. Like I'm an only child. I know how that works. <laughs> and then it's just like, okay, like that kind of compounded that. But then like you make the effort to just sit at our picnic table like that we have in the bay like i get tons out of that like usually it's so my better part of the job is sitting in the bay yeah kitchen table just shooting the table, shit like that whatever. does so much for my mental health because like a lot of times like stuff from other people's life kind of spills into it i was like oh okay like you're normal like you're all figuring this shit out together <laughs> like it just it, it takes some effort and yeah i think that's something that i've had to learn rather recently really so, so the the sitting around and talking around the table and all that stuff, that sense of camaraderie, yeah, you guys phenomenal. think is huge. It's phenomenal. Yeah, it goes so far. Yeah, I think it's a huge sure. reason why I love the job so much. I mean, yeah, I can do. I can tell you this. So, whenever we started doing all of the remodels mm-hmm. um, in the stations and everybody getting their own bunk and that that kind of stuff, that was one of the things that went away super fast. Was that everybody hanging out together? Yeah. Like hanging out in the kitchen together or in the day room or, you know, out in the bay or whatever. Most of the stations that I've worked at or would get detailed to, it would be, 
you'd see everybody in the morning, then they're in their room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you'd see them at lunch, then you'd see them at dinner, and then you wouldn't see anybody else yeah. for the rest of the day. Right. And before that, whenever it was a common bunk room and all that stuff, people hung out a little bit more. Yeah. And it seemed like there was that little bit better of a a bond. Yeah. And I, I totally get that. We're at I mean, we're at a pretty big house. I mean, we got what yeah. twelve guys there every every single day. Yeah. You know, coming from my old job, it wasn't uncommon to ha- be at a station with three people. Like yeah. it's really easy to just mm-hmm. well, he's watching T V in there. I don't really want to watch what he's watching and yep. just go in my room and you kinda next thing you know you spend the whole day by yourself and so it was easier to get away and I know we have stations like that and not a yeah. three man station, but four is still yeah. very few people and yeah, that that goes a long way. That yeah. is one thing I like about working in a big station. There's always someone to hang out with something to do. Yeah. But you know. Yeah. Then. And I I spent most of my career in single engine houses. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, me and three other people. And yeah, it's easy to yeah. oh I'll just I'll go hang out in my room today. Yeah. yeah. Well I'll go hang out in my room again. Uh, go hang out in my room again. Then before you know it, that's all you're doing and that's all everybody else is doing. Mm-hmm. Well, and we're both only children. so they're... I'm very good at entertaining myself for yeah. long periods of time. <laughs> I mean, it, it it sounds weird. It sounds ridiculous. But, like, yeah. you know, I'm I, very lucky. I'd, both my parents were always around for the most part. But like... Mine weren't. <laughs> Just one. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we could do have just this a conversation whole with your therapist, Scott, <laughs> not us, please. No, I'm kidding. My therapist is tired of hearing about it. I'm sure he is. Uh, just kidding. Uh, but no, like it, it's interesting because like I ended up having a lot of friends who were only children, and you know it, it's weird how it kind of works out. It's like we're just a bunch of weirdos who had to talk to ourselves to get mm-hmm. through get through days every now and then and now it's just like oh you you have the same weird thoughts as me like <laughs> this works really well self-entertaining thoughts i like to yeah. tell, i like to call them it's just thoughts that i have that i can expand on for two or three hours and it's my entertainment just going on weird rabbit holes on the internet research we are very much children of the internet researching uh, something I, I am well aware figuring yeah. it out yeah i i don't know i like to think i'm like the best of both worlds because i definitely grew up you know, with the going out and playing in the neighborhood and be home by the street well, by, by the time yeah, the street lights but, are on. But I was also, you know, playing video games a lot. Yeah. We were the so, OG of Xbox Live. Absolutely. These kids on Modern Warfare 2 today don't know. <laughs> they don't know nothing. Cyberbullying. They're learning today. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. You guys crack me up. Well, I'm glad I crack you. Yeah, <laughs> that's ninety percent of what I say shouldn't be taken seriously. It's either to get a rise out of. Somebody. Well, the thing is, you think mm-hmm. we're funny, but we're not funny. We just talk a lot. To yeah. We're bound to say something yeah. funny. Oh. I call it volume, volume. talking. Yeah. Accuracy uh, by yeah. volume. Yeah. yeah, there we go. If I throw a hundred, we never at the even wall, One that. of them's gonna stick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jeez. I say two hundred things a day. Four of them are hilarious. It's not a good percentage of hilarious things, but those are the four that you remember. That's how I get people to like me. I'm well, but I mean, as far as plans go, it's not the worst one. Yeah, it's not terrible, but you know, like Nick said, I mean, I didn't even really think about it until we talked about it at work. That you know, being an only child shapes your personality quite mm-hmm. a bit. I'm, you know, like you said, I'm very good at entertaining myself, but at the same time, I don't necessarily want to entertain myself. You know, if it's 
when going back to working in the big station, there's always someone watching TV. If they're not watching something I don't want to watch, someone in the Bay playing video games. They're not playing video game that I want to play. There's someone in the ping pong room. Someone's somewhere always doing something. Yeah. So if I want to go into my only child recluse natural state, I can go in my room and, and hang out for 30 minutes and kind of decompress and, and compose myself. And then if I want to hang out with everybody and discuss the nuances of the war in the Ukraine, I can just go downstairs and do that. And it's nice. It's cool. Yeah. You kind of nailed it on the head, like with the... Uh go off and kind of get yourself ready to mm-hmm. be around people because it again, takes a it's that same thing like there's times where i'm like okay like i've been talking to strangers all day i i want to just yeah i want to not talk to myself yeah. in my room but like i want to like yeah. sit down and read a book and yeah well kind of i want to be, be alone with my alone thoughts. for a while yeah. yeah well dude there's so much value in quiet time and meditation mm-hmm. and that sort of thing and if you use that time for that then you can have such a huge benefit yeah you know and that's one of the things that surf trip that i did this past weekend yeah i need to hear more about this because there were podcast guys that take people so surfing or no no so i know you briefly talked about it but it went yeah in in one one ear and out the other yeah stable blood stable vital signs uh yeah (laughs) or like anytime i tell you to do something safe it's just in one ear and out the other (laughs) Never mind. No, safety I, glasses I, I, are a myth. I, <laughs> they're not real things. I sarcastically say, "Yes, sir, th- safety officer." <laughs> I don't even tell him stuff anymore. Like if if I'm doing something on my own, like taking a blood sugar on a patient, if it's stable and that's not the problem, I don't even tell him yeah, what it if is. If it's a normal blood sugar, going to don't ask tell me. me again. Don't tell me. I don't <laughs> he's even going know. to ask me again. It just goes in one ear, right out the other. Uh, so no, uh, Rob Sanderson. Um, he was a cop over in Kansas, Okay, got hurt, messed up his back, had to get pinched off, retired. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, in that whole process, mm-hmm. um, he had grown up kind of surfing a little bit and decided, Hey, there's no program to take people who are struggling. Mm-hmm. And he goes, surfing is such a great way to decompress and, I you bet. know, just, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. Just be out there. He goes, I'm going to start a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. So he did. Um, it's called the Swell Mission, um, and that's who I went with. And it, they take uh, firefighters, cops, veterans um, on all expenses paid surf trips. Wow. Um, that's pretty cool. So Just got to get out there. Yeah. Well, no. they. I oh, mean, really? Paid for airfare, the real really? house, everything. That's got to be humbling, surfing. Uh, there's no that. way I could do it. Oh, you that. could. You're dude. Trust me. Um, if my old ass could get up on the board Maybe. within five minutes of being in the ocean, you could do it. Gotcha. I my, think that's another thing is for mental health sakes, like do humbling things that aren't work. Oh yeah. You know, like I love going to the gym. That shit humbles me all the time. Yeah. You know, like people are big into like jujitsu and stuff now. Like I, tried and dabbled and said, eh, this isn't so You're much. too big for jujitsu. Well, I mean, no, that, you would think I'm that would be like a thing that would help. It was just, Gotta be I started and then the academy started and I just never went back. Well, I mean. Fair enough. You would do okay. You your do arms fine. aren't too long. Aren't so. too long. I'm a regular sized dude. Yeah, you're yeah. regular sized. Well, so <laughs> the reason I say that is because I did it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're tall and thin, 
it's easier for people to grab a hold of uh, stuff. Yeah. You know, and if you've kind of got short arms and shorter legs, it's harder to get those joint locks yeah. on a person of your stature. Whereas a person like me, super, I mean, if they're not. You got defended, a lot of limb to grab. Yeah, I got a lot. Of, there's there's more to grab there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and long necks, great yeah. for choking. Yep. So. Well, that's why you see all the guys in prison. Yeah. <laughs> no necks. Yeah. <laughs> So, but yeah, I mean, he started that thing and that was the 13th trip, I think, that oh, wow. they've done. And he's doing a an exchange program. There's a nonprofit in England that basically does the same thing. Okay. So they went there last year, the year before, and then they came here, whatever, vice versa it yeah. was. So like every other year, they go back and forth nice. and, you know, just take guys who have been on the trip before mm-hmm. and say, Hey, let's go. We're going to go to England and we're going to hang out with these cops and firefighters over here that do the same thing. And then they bring cool. people out. So, yeah. I've heard of like people like going on vacation internationally and see a fire station. And like, Oh, like they just go shoot the shit. And it's just like, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. You Nobody know, he comes on vacation to our city. <laughs> <laughs> well, they do. They just don't venture down to where we're at. Yeah. So. They, yeah, they'd stay far, far away from that area, mm-hmm. most likely. Which, they drive by. Yeah, on the highway. On, on the, the highway. highway. We got a, we got a yeah. highway that goes yeah. to a nice area. Yeah. So, but no, I, and he's, the way that he's got it set up, man, so, because I had him on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, we got connected, I think my wife or somebody got us connected and had him on the podcast and, you know, he broke it down of, you know, we do this and this and this and, you know, it was a, a good podcast. And I stayed in contact with him, mm-hmm. and but even from him explaining it, I didn't really get it. And it's something that I don't think you can really get until you go do it, because the way that he has that program set up, like we got there on Friday, um, we got to the rental house, a therapist, a legit therapist came and talked to us, talked to us about, you know, showed us some breath work techniques mm-hmm. for, you know, decompressing and like yoga and heart math and all these Everyone other things. On yoga, yoga's so great. Yeah, and took us out to the beach right there by the by the beach house, and mm-hmm. we did some more breath work stuff there. And then she came back out on Sunday. We did it at the beach again where we were surfing at, and then you know she showed us because she's like, "Okay, you guys need to be doing this and this," and then Sunday we'll reevaluate mm-hmm. everything. So then she shows us on Sunday. Okay, we're gonna do this. And this, and then showed us our improvements of what we were on Friday to what we were just that quickly. There is yeah. an improvement. Wow. Yeah. So, and then also he's got a chaplain that comes out that's out there, and this guy is freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a SWAT guy, um, D1 football player, strength coach, just super jacked. I mean, sounds terrifying. Yeah, he is terrifying. I want to meet him. Yeah, he's awesome. Uh, I think I'm going to try to have him on the podcast. Yeah. So. If I do that, it'll be a Zoom, but you're more than welcome to sit in. Yeah, cool. So he was awesome, and just the whole vibe and everything. You know, we eat together mm-hmm. at the house, or, you know, we went out to a restaurant on Friday night, I think. But otherwise, we cooked at the house and just sat there, me and another firefighter and two cops. Sounds like work. Yeah. Well, sitting the in the bay, shooting the shit. Yeah. Work minus the bells. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> but it's, it's a way to, you know, with having... 
that therapists come out and having the chaplain come out and then having other people there that have been through stuff mm-hmm. and that have went through treatment or whatever, it I think it helps reduce that stigma for somebody who maybe has went through something recently mm-hmm. and is still on the fence about whether or not, you know, giving therapy a try or giving some program a try. Yeah. And I definitely think a lot of it might be the stigma left over that I mean I definitely saw this a lot in the military seeking mental health health care at all period is kind of frowned upon you're looked mm-hmm. at as weaker you can't handle it that mm-hmm. kind of stuff and I I think now the younger generation even your generation of first responders are doing a very good job of breaking through that stigma it's not suck it up buttercup it's okay what's bothering you yeah well, that's very good. I like it. It's it's changing. It's changing slowly, um, but it's like it everything takes, in the fire service. Yeah, it takes ground up and top down. Mm-hmm. This isn't one thing, or this isn't an issue that's going to get changed by administration going. This is what you're going to do. This is mandated. Blah blah blah. Because you know, go how to th- therapy, all of you. Yeah, because yeah. you know how that's going to work. Oh, you just got to go to fucking therapy uh-huh. and just talking to people about stuff in general. Yeah. I mean, you, you say go to therapy. I've tried getting in for like two months mm-hmm. and I'm just happy that I'm a me- relatively stable person because even yeah. when I'm supposed to, Scheduling they're like, hey, uh, this actually happened today. I was supposed to talk to a person today. Like, you know, whatever. Yeah. And they call, they're like, hey, like, we know it's been three weeks when we scheduled and put you off, but she's sick, so can you do the week of Thanksgiving? I was like, I'm happy. It's in another three weeks. I was like, I'm happy that I'm doing well, because that would really suck for someone who was genuinely struggling. And Well, but don't downplay what you're going through. Yeah, no, I know, but like, you know know what I mean. It's just like one of those things, it's like... Dude, Man, it's, it's like a flaw in the system and it needs to be addressed. I couldn't imagine. Dude, like, the, the therapists that I know that specialize with cops and firefighters, uh-huh. they're booked out. My wife, that's almost 100% of her clientele. Cops, really? cops, firefighters, and veterans. I didn't know that. She's booked out to January. That's nuts. Yeah. That's nuts. And that's working almost seven days a week. So it's just they're... It seems like they're not enough therapists to go around. I think it they're getting burnt out too. Yeah, yeah. Seems, and they it are. It seems like they're having mm-hmm. the same problem we are. They're overworked and underpaid, burnt out and underpaid. Yeah, they're having the same problem we are. Yeah, so that's why it's so important. I think personally, for us to basically be a peer support team for each other. Yeah, you be know, each because, other's therapist. Well, yep. <laughs> no, <laughs> we're not going to go that route, but. To be able to sit around the kitchen table and have an open and honest conversation yeah. about, hey, what's bothering me? I need to get this off my chest or I'm struggling with this or that. Nine times out of ten, there's probably going to be somebody at your station that has went through something similar, yep. if not the same thing. Yep. More than likely, it is the same thing. Yeah. So, be it, but you got to be with the right crew that that's okay. Yeah. And it's still, there's a lot of places out there where that's not okay. Those conversations don't happen. Yeah. They, what they're going to do is you're going to sit around the kitchen table and talk about the war in Ukraine, or Mm -hmm. you're going to talk about how the president sucks, or you're going to talk about this or that or the other thing. You're not going to talk about the things that are real, that really matter to you right now in this moment. Not going to talk about the call from three shifts ago that I'm still thinking about. Exactly. I think 2 a.m. the ambulance gets a lot of that stuff out. 2 a.m. the ambulance is extremely therapeutic. Coming back from the hospital in the middle of the night, 
from from a call is extremely therapeutic. It's usually we we're we don't say anything to each other throughout the entire duration of the call. It's usually we it's usually we get in the ambulance and the only words spoken are us telling dispatch that we're responding and whatever we say to the to the patient. Like me we don't we don't have to talk to each other. Like I said earlier, we work well enough together where we don't have to talk. But on the way back from the hospital, especially if it's a wild call, we'll just be driving back, and I'll just, Nick, that was pretty fucked up, wasn't it? He's like, yeah, dude, let's talk about that for a minute. And then we hash out a lot of stuff in the middle of the night on the way back to the station. I mean, there's been plenty of times where I'm exhausted. It's 3 o'clock in the morning, and we're back, and I park the ambulance in the station. We sit in the ambulance and talk for another minute. But, dude, how important... That is so important, oh, yeah. and that's so great that you guys are able to do that for each other. Yeah, I um, what was I gonna say? Uh, we were, ta- we were talking about that uh, pediatric. My first pediatric code. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had our, the whole pumper came with me on the call. Captain drove the pumper back to the station, and we were pulling up off the side of the highway. We look over to the right, and there's the pumper just sitting in a Taco Bell parking lot, <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, we look over, and I look at my partner, and I was like, oh, I guess they caught a call at Taco Bell. Okay. And I was like, wait, they're back. They, what's, go, what's going on? <laughs> and we get a call. I was like, oh, go to Station 1. It's like, okay. So we drive to Station 1 with our crew. And then the captain rolls in with a big taco box, <laughs> sets <laughs> nice. it on the table, and they he proceed, they proceeded to hang out for an hour. She's like, well, it's awkward if we just show up without tacos. And we just sat there and <laughs> ate tacos at 3 in the morning, and... Kind of just hash through it, and yeah, that goes a long way. Talking about something immediately, yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, that that's one of those things. The sooner that you can talk about it, mm-hmm. the faster that you can move it from that front part of your brain to the yeah, back part of your sure. brain. Well, and they say that with like traumatic events, the best thing to do is to like the next day, like put yourself in a similar situation to work through the process. That I haven't heard. As in, like, obviously, you don't trap yourself in a basement and <laughs> try and crawl out the, you know, the window. But yeah. like, okay, like, kind of talk yourself through the things and kind of work through it so you could at least process what happened and how you could get through it. Okay, again. all right, um, yeah. We, here I go quoting Huberman again because I'm a nerd, <laughs> and he was like, he had he talked about having like a, a dive at. Uh, he was doing dive, some sort of diving thing, and he didn't check a piece of equipment. Always check your equipment. Can't imagine Always. anyone ever doing that. Yeah. Uh, and he had that incident, and like the, he had to like work his way through it, and he got through it. And they were like, okay, tomorrow morning, we're going to practice that. And they went through, and they practiced it. And he was like, okay. He's like, obviously, I didn't sleep that night, but... That next day, I was like, "Okay, like that—that—that's that, what it was. Like, go through the process, and obviously, yeah, it's that's seems like kind of like a a version of uh, exposure therapy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah. So, sure. yeah, that's why a lot of places that uh, you know, if you experience that critical incident or whatever, they try to do that debriefing mm-hmm. like as soon as possible because, like PTSD. Like, PTS is 100% natural and normal. Everybody gets it. Don't matter. You can deny it all you want. It fucking happens. You know, happens that's to everybody. Just, yeah. At least a couple of times in your life. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're like, oh, so, shit. Like, that was yeah. that was kind of messed up. Like, yeah. But, but where, it's yeah. simple. 
Yeah. Where it becomes a problem is whenever it is allowed to linger and hang around mm-hmm. and then it becomes PTSD. Um, but they say that can happen within as little as seven days. Like if it's not dealt with, yeah. depending, uh, on, okay. depending on the person and what it was and like all the other stuff the person's dealing with, you know, it can happen fast. Yeah. So getting that stuff off your chest and, and dealing with it as soon as you can. I mean, that's the best way to go about it. Yeah, and if if it's a crew wide thing, if you if yeah. you if you don't do it the next shift, there's a strong chance and two shift, Scott might not be there, you might not be there. Yeah. You know, you might be piecing it together or you know, yeah. that crew together. So uh, if you got everyone there, it's probably the time to do it. Yeah. Not to mention sure. what's the critical stuff that you're going to run in between then and then. Yeah. Because it's not like you're guaranteed of, you know, you're going to run this super shit call on Sunday. And then Wednesday rolls around and you're not going to do anything. Mm-hmm. No, you're more than likely going to run another super shit call. You could do damn near the same thing in yeah. reality. Yeah. Or something worse. Yeah. So, I mean, always, we had It's a, always the string of bad calls they get to me. There's there's one time I had child abuse call, like three calls involving kids. It was like a car wreck where a kid got hurt pretty bad. A child abuse call where a tiny baby got beat up by dad and then another one and they were like all within two days like i worked overtime and then my regular shift and they were all within 48 hours of each other and that like i was i didn't i was done for like two weeks and i just had to take the time to process that and figure out how to deal with it and yeah yeah, it's a uh, kid call seemed to be the worst for, for the sure. majority yeah. of us. For sure. We had w- one of my old stations, we had two infant deaths within three shifts. And one of them was like the the, the kid had been born sick. Mm-hmm. Like I can't remember exactly, heart issue or something like that. And the family was trying to get them to the hospital mm-hmm. and pulled over to gas station. So we show up and the, I mean, we worked it worked a kid to the hospital but there was no i mean the kid was dead and then the other one was piece of shit mom drunk the three or four year old i don't know if mom turned on the bathtub or kid turned on the bathtub or whatever but the 18 month old ended up in the bathtub face down and dad was working from home it was during covid and water starts running in the basement so he runs upstairs to see what's going on. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. So, and we had those two calls within three shifts. And it's, it's like, crazy because so many people report that same thing. How, like, yeah. obviously there's no rhyme or reason to it, yeah. but it just, it feels like the craziness comes in waves. There'll it be does. like three or four shifts where we have a fire every day. There'll be three or four shifts where we have a car wreck that needs extrication every day. Mm-hmm. And, or you have those days where the only thing you run is gas calls. Yep. You know, or the God, only thing you run is calls. lift we assists. We missed the fire of the decade because of a gas <laughs> call, and I'm still mad about it. <laughs> I'm still mad about it. Yeah, well, you know, it was... Yeah, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to... Nah. I mean, it wasn't that bad. Uh-huh. Wasn't that fun. Eh, whatever. <laughs> we would have been We would have been there for a good, like, five, seven minutes we before been there anyone else would have gone there. for a minute. It would have been us. <laughs> oh! Yeah, I'm, all right, we're no, we're done talking about that because I'm still mad about it. <laughs> Sounds still like mad you, about it. You need to process that, guy. I do need to process it. I need to take it up with the Spire Dig team that drove right on past us. <laughs> That's who I need to take it up with. 
10 minutes before the fire dropped. Oh, oh yeah, that kind of sucked. I, what, I'd been in the district a day, two days? I think it was your second or third shift. <laughs> yeah, you're brand new to the district. Yep. I'm like, where's that? <laughs> Chief's like, it's right there, go. <laughs> yep. Cool. All right. Um, I did want to ask you about how your military time has affected, or do you think it has affected you into the fire service? It makes the fire service way easier. The fire service is the army. It's diet army. All of the, all of the bullshit that we deal with is not as bad as the bullshit that you deal with in the army. All of the sleep deprivation, all of the things that make the fire service difficult are not as difficult as those same things are in the military. You know, um, it's, it's seriously like, like, you know, like administrative bureaucratic nonsense that goes on. It takes forever to get stuff done. It's way worse in the army. You know, you have, um, you're sleep deprived. I'm sleep deprived for a day. There was times in the military where I'd go two or three weeks and only sleep an hour a day, period. There was, and I mean, being uncomfortable, being gross, being, you know, I haven't showered in a couple of hours. We just, you know, caught back to back calls and I haven't taken a shower. I, this is going to sound disgusting. I've gone 35 days without showering before. This ain't shit to me. <laughs> so the army definitely prepared me for the fire service immensely. This is, it's the diet army. I feel like a lot of guys. It's more fun. I love it. I like it way more. It's way better of a career in my opinion. But as far as the things that make it difficult, it's all of the same stuff. Just not as bad. Uh, I feel like every, everyone I know in this fire service that was in the military, you guys just have a knack for suffering better than I'm, everyone it became else. Me, it made me into a masochist. I mean, especially during the winter. Like, I was in a cold weather warfare unit. If it was below 20 degrees, I was outside sleeping in a hole that I dug that day. This is too easy for me. <laughs> they, give, they give you a bed here. Yeah, they give me a bed. <laughs> With, they bought me a pillow with with central heating and air that works usually <laughs> sometimes cool yeah. okay i yeah, know where, I, I know where what station you're at and i get paid like four or five times more to do this than i did in the military yeah this is it it definitely all of the things that i need to be good at for the military mental toughness sleep deprivation functioning under stress all of that was instilled in me in the military just in a much higher degree and a much more serious tone to everything it's it was far less relaxed which i like that you know our job is more relaxed um but it's yeah like i like i said it's the it's the diet military it's everything that i thought was cool about the military is also cool about the fire service and everything that i didn't like about the military is also there just not as bad so you feel like it prepared you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, 100%. How did college prepare you for a life in the fire service? I mean, it didn't prepare me for <laughs> anything. Uh, no. I, I have the most expensive paramedic license. <laughs> so that's all I have to say about that. I had a blast. Don't, do not get me wrong. I enjoyed my time very much. Made lifelong friends. Met my wife. But I did not need to go to college. Well, hopefully it will pay off in 15 years, but for now it's... Why 15 years? I'm just assuming at some point if I am able to promote, they'll be like, oh, you have a degree, cool, and that will be a check. 
I also have a degree and I got it for free. Yeah. I did not. Did you really get it for free or did you have to pay? Well, now I have chronic (laughs) knee pain. (laughs) (laughs) Seems like you paid for it. I didn't pay money. I paid with knee cartilage, which is cheaper (laughs) if you ask me. (laughs) Uh, Wait until you hit about 40 and you might revise that statement. Fair enough. So, all right, guys. Well, this has been a blast. It's been a great time. Thank you for having us. Mm -hmm. Not quite. I, I thought we might get off a little bit on some. We didn't go on too many rabbit holes. We, no. we discussed this morning when we were leaving the station. It's like there are things that we need to keep dialed in because <laughs> the, the the 2 a.m. and the ambulance on the way home from yeah. a call conversations are far more unhinged than this was. Yeah. So we're just proving that we could keep it together. Yeah. I can be professional yeah. sometimes for periods of time. Well, I, I, I appreciate yeah, that. Of but course. also, hey, you know, sometimes a rabbit hole or two. We're not conspiracy a bad guys, so I'm you don't you don't want you didn't want that to come out. I'm a conspiracy guy. Do you want to hear a theory we, about the, the simulations? No, we can't we cannot we, <laughs> we can, can't unleash that just, upon the world yet. So let's do this. Let's put a pin in this episode. Deal. We'll I'll have you guys back. And it will be the conspiracy episode. We can have a conspiracy episode. Can we like do it, it uh, Joe Rogan style when they like dim the lights? We wear like NASA suits and yeah. I mean, you guys can wear whatever you want. I mean, and I'm yes, we can definitely dim the going a to wear bit. a NASA suit, and we should probably be drinking for it. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> I'm kidding. These are jokes. You guys are killing me. They're not funny jokes, man. I'm a recovering alcoholic. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I'm a recovering gambling addict. <laughs> So Kansas, you know, legaling, legalizing the sports betting has been extremely detrimental to me. I'm kidding. These are all jokes. This is, remember when I said earlier, nothing that I say should be taken serious? This is a perfect example of that. You're chuckling. That's my goal. Yeah. I laugh all the time. Volume talking. Volume talking. Accuracy by volume. There you go. Yeah. I mean, full circle. I just said a million things and three of them are funny. Here's what you do. You take all those million things, the three things that are funny, you start putting, stacking those things together, and then pretty soon you have, you know, 30 minutes of stand-up. Yeah. And then I'm... And I may or may not have worked on my minute of stand-up in the past. Go on. What? I haven't, like, Go put on. it out there. But, like, I have a minute that I I'm working on. I think it's time. I think it's... I think it's yeah. time. It's not worked on. It, it is. It's not, it's it not is. fully fledged out. I think it's fully fledged out. It's my uh, bit about um, how I'm jealous of cigarette smokers. Oh, I've heard this one. This is good. No, Go sorry. on. No, yeah. this is good. No, I've, I've heard this. Well, it's episode. good. You, you, you said, right. No, the next episode is the conspiracy episode. Well, basically, it boils down to there's. I'm jealous of cigarette smokers because they're the only people that get to go in the parking lot and do drugs at work, <laughs> and it's not frowned upon. Uh, it's the approved substance list. Um, the camaraderie that cigarette smokers have is unmatched. Couldn't imagine just. A real busy, stressful day. The boss man's just killing you. And you just go outside and take a long drag of that cigarette. And... <sighs> I hate this boss. Like, <laughs> you know, like... Cigarette smokers are it, far it more needs interesting. Work, but, like, it's it's a water cooler moment all the time. Yeah. I, there's there's potential. Yeah. There. It, it, it's a dark it undertone work. to the water cooler yeah. conversation. Yeah, it needs work. Yeah. But, you know... I've practiced. There's potential there. Again, I'm an only child. I have time and I know how to spend it. <laughs> oh, shit. 
Well, thank you guys for coming. I really it was appreciate fun. it. It was, it was a good blast. time. Yeah. Do it um, again sometime. Yeah. We'll we'll mark it down on the calendar. Yes, on the calendar. I got to make sure I don't work overtime that day. Yeah. I made for, I put forth a conscious effort to have today off. I really did. I like I typed out my overtime text the other day to put in for today and I was like, "Wait, nope. Mm-mm, that's we're doing the podcast that day. Can't do it." Yep. And then I didn't. For the record, we screwed that up about two weeks ago. <laughs> we really did screw that up about two weeks ago. Nick tried to work overtime on the day that we were supposed to do the podcast. We he both didn't. worked that day, didn't we? I picked up day of, in my yeah. defense, because yeah. you did. Yeah, I had I had a partial on the truck. Uh huh. That's a that's a big moment. That for is a, a medic. big day for a paramedic to be on the yeah. truck. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't I, get those days. I'd flake on me too to work on the truck for a day as a paramedic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, closing thoughts. Well, now I'm on the spot. Uh, this was fun. This was a good time. I like your setup. We'll have to do it again. Cool. Give, Thanks. Just really see how deep the rabbit hole goes. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. Nick, closing thoughts? Get your sleep. Find things that humble you. And spend time with people. Well said. I like it. I like it. <laughs> I'm going to echo what Nick said. Definitely making sure that uh, you're not overworking. You're getting your sleep and getting good sleep. Um, Healthy yeah. coping mechanisms. Yeah. And don't be afraid to have those hard conversations with, you know, the people that you work with or or just don't be afraid to have the conversation. You know, it's okay to speak up. If you're not okay, that's fine. Say something. So um, if you are struggling, reach out. Um, there are resources out there for you. If you know somebody that is struggling, reach out to them, let them know you care, let them know there are resources out there for them. And, uh, yeah, thanks for stopping by and we will see you next time.